Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.
happy Thursday. This is Rory Sodder. Thank you for listening to the Rory Sodder Show. I hope you all are having a great day. I hope everything is going well accordingly. Uh, the weekend is approaching, which is always very exciting and very, uh, um, you know, very. Like I always, I always get very enthusiastic and energized uh, when we get to this point of the week. Um, I love the weekends. Love the weekends. Um, I um, I really enjoyed yesterday's show. We uh, got a lot discussed and a lot of a lot addressed. Uh, got a lot of good feedback from our listeners. Um, people, the, the guests were great yesterday. I mean, we had a a phenomenal show. So I want to thank every all the guests. Um, I want to thank um, all my listeners as well. Like I do every episode. Um, you know, we have um, a lot to get to today. Um, there are certain things that I didn't get to yesterday that I will get to today that um, are pivotal topics for what's going on. Um, please remember, everybody, you can visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com for all of your creative, unique, and customized President Trump merchandise and apparel. Also, you can also, also visit rorysodder.tv. Uh, whenever you want to find out more about me. And um, I also want to give a shout-out to GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com. Um, today's show, though, we have scientist, geologist, political strategist, change analysis researcher, and best-selling author uh, Greg Wrightstone will, be, Wrightstone will be calling in. Um, we're very excited. Uh, and we'll also be having criminal defense attorney, former prosecutor, political strategist, lobbyist, constitutional expert, and best-selling author David Chistokis uh, will be calling in. So um, we will be getting – we were very excited to hear from them. Um, the opening story, though, uh, you know, obviously for me today and for what went on, um, President Trump, uh, you know, was, you know, uh, was in – breaking ground and did a big speech in Wisconsin for the opening of the new uh, Foxconn uh, plant, which is going to be building uh, people's iPhones. I mean, this is something that is absolutely incredible. It puts so much money back into our economy. Um, It's creating thousands and thousands of new jobs. And Trump even said in his speech today, uh, this is the eighth wonder of the world. Um, And, uh, you know, he, uh, what a, what an accomplishment, though. And, uh, you know, with everything else he has going on, um, you know, there's there's all these great things. I mean, every day it's a new uh, thing to look forward to. And, I mean, you know, with the Supreme Court pick, uh, you know, with his next choice, I mean, that's going to be uh, so exciting and going to be so positive and uh, effective on are us conservatives for many generations to come. I mean, this this basically uh, gives us the majority for a long time. I mean, they, uh, this is such an amazing big deal. Um, I do want to welcome on the line, though, real quick, my co-host, uh, Josh. How are you, buddy? Good. It's going uh, real, real well. How are you? Uh, doing well. Good to have you on. And uh, I want to welcome my co-host, Gianni. How are you? Doing good, Gianni. How are you? Doing great. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so what I do want to get to though is, so it was announced today that there will be a Trump and Putin summit, which is extremely, uh, I think exciting. 
I, you know, having a relationship with Russia is a good thing in so many aspects, in so many ways, economically, uh, from a war, from a war standpoint as well. Um, you know, obviously there's so many different variables and, uh, you know, liberal heads are going to be spinning and all these conspiracy theories and all these different fabricated stories will be coming out. Uh, but there is a set date as of today, it'll be July 16th. And, uh, I'm going to play a quick clip, uh, just kind of describing uh, what's going to be going on. Uh, one, two. We have learned that we are going to be traveling to Helsinki, Finland on the 16th of July. That is the date and the place where President Trump will sit down with President Vladimir Putin of Russia for a summit. That will be tacked on to the tail end of the president's upcoming trip to Europe in which he'll attend the NATO summit in Brussels as well as a UK visit to stop by and see Prime Minister Theresa May. So mark that in your calendars. Helsinki, Finland, the 16th of July for the Trump Putin summit. Now on to Justice uh, Anthony Kennedy, long considered the center of the Supreme Court, a crucial swing vote, sometimes siding with conservatives, sometimes siding with the liberal side of the court. He was often known as the five in five, four decisions. Now the president has the opportunity to solidify a conservative majority in the court for years to come. Last night, paying tribute to Kennedy at a rally in Fargo, North Dakota. Listen here. Great man. And I'm very honored that he chose to do it during my term in office because he felt confident in me to make the right choice and carry on his great legacy. And now comes the difficult work of choosing a nominee to replace Justice Kennedy. The president has promised that he will choose a candidate from his published list of 25 conservative judges. The front runners are all appellate judges. Brett Kavanaugh from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, the Seventh Circuit's Amy Coney Barrett, Thomas Hardiman of the Third Circuit, Raymond Kethledge and Amol Thapar, both from the Sixth Circuit. With so much at stake now, again, uh, really sort of uh, cementing in a conservative majority here, the president is expected to run into a buzzsaw of opposition from Democrats in Congress. The next vacancy after this one may be even more difficult because that could make the court six to three. The president last night saying Senate control is going to be a huge issue in the November election. Democrats want judges who will rewrite the Constitution any way they want to do it and take away your Second Amendment, erase your borders, throw open the jailhouse doors, and destroy your freedoms. We must elect more Republicans. We have to do that. The president very active on Twitter this morning, talking a lot about the Russia investigation and Peter Strzok. We won't hear from him in person until this afternoon. He's in Wisconsin. He'll be giving remarks to the opening of a new Foxconn plant in Mount Pleasant. We're going to start building your iPhones and iPads right here in the good old USA. Sandra? All right. Just your average Thursday morning at the White House, right, John? Thank uh -huh. you. So, wow. Wow. He was in North Dakota last night, uh, Trump, when uh, giving a rally. That was uh, uh, from where he was, where he was speaking. That was, that was his rally last night. But he is all over the place. He's always doing rallies or he's always somewhere doing something amazing for the American people. I mean, Trump is always on the go. The guy sleeps four hours a night. He's, a, he's an unbelievable machine. Um, I, I do want to get back to talking about this Anthony Kennedy and the Supreme Court thing, as well as this Putin um, and, and Trump sit-down. But, you know, the breaking news, you know, which was really a big thing today, I do want to, you know, send out my deepest prayers uh, and, you know, my um, – my deepest condolences to all the families affected 
Uh, Maryland authorities have confirmed that five are dead and seven are injured uh, in the newspaper office shooting, um, which went on. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's seriously is, it's such a tragedy. Um, you know, and, uh, I just, um, I don't even know how to, you know, these random acts of evil keep happening. You know, they keep, um, rising and, and, uh, they keep, uh, growing and growing. It's like an epidemic and, uh, you know, Jesus Christ. And let's, let's go on the record real quick, folks. Uh, this shooter, a shotgun. He did not use an AR. He did not use any of the any of what Democrats are trying to protest and uh, whine about. But where are the Democrats? Why are the crickets? They're crickets on this issue. There's a shooting, and they say they're all concerned about guns and gun violence and safety. But what what um, you know? Where where's the outrage? Josh, your thoughts? I mean, uh, let's be honest here. If they can't turn it and make it into a political thing to push their agenda. Not, I mean, they don't care. We've seen that right. time and time again. They don't, they're not concerned about the loss of any life. Uh, all they care about is their political agenda. So, you know, no surprises here whatsoever. No, not at all. And I want to welcome our special guest, um, if you're just joining us, uh, scientist, geologist, political strategist, entrepreneur, climate change analysis, researcher, and best-selling author, Greg Wrightstone. How are you? Good to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me, Rory. Good to be here. Excellent. Uh, we, were, we were just kind of vaguely talking um, about the uh, shooting today uh, over in America. It didn't sound vague to me. <laughs> uh yeah, well, here, here's here's the thing, you know, what's bad, you know, what's um, what bothers me about this shooting is where are the Democrats? Total crickets. They say they care about gun violence. They say they care about, you know, all of these all of these massacres. But you know why they're not nowhere to be see, to be seen or or, or you know, uh, blabbering their mouth? It's because the guy used a shotgun. He didn't use an AR. Right. I, you know, and, and I've you got, know, I've got one propped in the corner of my bedroom. <laughs> nice, nice. Second Amendment, man. Pro Second Amendment. Love it. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, this is just one of those things, though. Uh, it's just another act of evil. Um, you know, it's it's like an epidemic. It's it, there's no surprise to any of this anymore uh, when someone goes crazy and decides to. Uh, you know, uh, shoot up somewhere and, uh, you know, and this is just, it's horrific. I mean, they're still, um, to my understanding, interrogating and questioning the suspect, but uh, I don't think they're getting much out of him. So until that happens. Yeah, it's basically an indictment on our, on our society rather than the gun culture. Uh, I know. That we've really had a degradation of, 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 of yeah. the society. And, I, and I've always said, you know, the Democrats want to say we have a gun problem. No, we don't. We have a mental health problem. We have people that get, get ideas or, you know, whether it's they watch a movie or they play a video game or they're just pure evil in their head. And I've always said if somebody has a plan to carry out an attack, 
they're going to do it, and they're going to find a weapon off the street to do it. Let's face it, there's millions of illegal guns on the street. How the hell are you going to get them off the street, Democrats? You guys, have all, you guys want to put a law in place, but look at where most of the shootings happen, in gun-free zones. It's pathetic. Yeah, the, if I could throw in my two cents here, the mental illness aspect that goes untreated, uh, our oldest son yeah. who, who passed about a year ago uh, suffered yeah. most of his adult life, and there was just – there's nothing my out there to help is, these people. Thank you. But my, my, uh, there's nothing my, out – it just it's just incredibly painful for families that go through this, and it's – there's no place for – people there's no treatment the treatments that are available are so incredibly expensive that the the regular joe unless you're you're independently wealthy uh, you can't afford to be put into these long-term treatment facilities and uh, right. they get passed around and and right back out on the street and it's uh it's it's difficult I, we weren't we were not we're and, not alone in that in going through and, this and he, and you bring up a good point. You really do, because there are so many people that need help. And, you know, some, sometimes they don't know who to turn to. Sometimes it's lack of finances. And I, I really want to blame a big part of it on the terrible insurance uh, plans and policies that the Obama administration put into place for so many years that well, basically well, – dist- I, I think a lot of it is normalizing, trying to normalize – the people that aren't normal and, and trying to they shut down the institutions that, that housed a lot of these people. Uh, they thought they were doing the right thing by doing that. And in the, and, and in the end it hurt the people they were trying to help. And now they're out on the street instead of being in an institution. And there's just no place for these uh, people with depression and, and mental illness. Yeah, and uh, you know it, it. It really is an epidemic. I mean, it, it it's a thing that is a constant issue, and 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 you know, scenario going on in this country. And a lot of times, it's hard to help some of these people because they don't want to be helped, and they're you know they're not as <clears throat> open minded as they should be. But there's also other scenarios where, you know. These so these people can't just fight. It's too hard to fight off the demons. I mean, there's so people mm-hmm. live with so many demons. You know what I mean? And um, if you don't mind me asking, you know, I don't want to get too deep into this. But what did your son struggle with? Depression? Uh, yeah, it was depression, and um, he's got a he had a family history of uh, mental illness on his mother's side. So, I mean, it was generational. Yeah. Um, Cousins, gotcha. grandfather, father, just, I mean, it just, it was incredible. And, um, but actually when he did pass, it was uh, for unknown causes. Uh, you would think it would, you first think about opioid or heroin or suicide. And it was just, his death was actually just extremely bizarre in that there was no, no cause of death. So just, and in fact, I, in my book, uh, inconvenient facts that I've just written, I dedicated, uh, in, the, in the dedication page, I dedicated the in memoriam to him, and then dedicated the book to my granddaughter, who was just born after his death. So I, you know, I said, one life ends and another begins, and it's incredibly you know, now, the cycle of life. Now, now, please, now, please elaborate and describe. There was, there was, they didn't have 
the autopsy showed no, like, you know, I know it. They, yeah, they, 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 did find, auto, they did they an could, autopsy, blood work. Uh, when the blood work came back, there was nothing. Yeah, the, the uh, medical examiner here, who's actually worldwide renowned, I'm calling from Pittsburgh, and uh, he, he, I talked, he, he was, he said, this, this is, he says, I can always find a cause of death. And he said, this, um, we find no reason why this young man should die. And because uh, they did actually did more extensive tests than they normally did and still could find nothing. So, um, uh, yeah, just, it just, just. Uh, did they do an investigation? Did the police do an investigation? Uh, no, because there wasn't any foul play uh, that we know of. I mean, it, that would have shown up. Um, so obviously th- there was something that was missed, but they couldn't find it. So, uh, but enough of that uh, 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 uplifting information. Right. But uh, right, right. No, I know. I understand. I understand. No, I, I want to get back to what we were talking about, though. I mean, you, you know, this epidemic, you know, with with the whole violence and the whole, you know, school shootings, it keeps happening. Um, you know, uh, and it's, it's just something we can't, people think they can stop it. Democrats think they have all these ideas to stop evil, but evil is always going to exist no matter what you put into place. And I mean, they even, they know they can't stop it. They just tell their sheep and their voters they can, which is sickening and kind of misleading. Um, and their voters really, I don't think gun control is the answer when, oh my God, I mean, all of these massacres happen in gun, in these, in these gun control zones. It doesn't work. Look at Chicago. Look at all these places with the most strictest gun laws. They have the highest crime rate. Look at Maryland. I mean, that's one of the highest, uh, the strictest gun laws. They have high crime rate. You know? Well, it's good. It's We should be thankful he didn't use a baseball bat. You know, we wouldn't have to be able to, wouldn't have games to go to anymore. You know, there'd be out right. long baseball bats. Right. Right. And, you know, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's one of those things, but, I do, you know what I want to do, I want, Greg, I want you to tell us all about yourself, you know, I want you to start from the beginning, you know, all of your, all of your adventures, um, you know, everything about yourself, and, because uh, you have a, you have a novel of a resume, you've led a, uh, you've led a very impressive uh, and, and successful life, and, uh, you know, the audience uh, definitely uh, would love to uh, hear your insight, and uh, two cents. Well, I'm a geologist, 35 years experience. Uh, uh, I, I, I was a petroleum geologist, did uh, very successful. I did a lot of the scientific early work on, if you've ever heard of the Marcellus Shale, wrote the first, which is the largest natural gas field in the world by far. Um, in fact, all the, the next 15 smaller gas fields in the world combined equal that one. So uh, I wrote the, I was co-author of the first, comprehensive papers and, and allowed, allowed me to travel all over the world uh, um, including I was a keynote speaker interestingly at a, one of the first Chinese shale gas conferences uh, I was invited to go there by a fellow by the name of Michael Economides one of the top engineers in the world who loved me and what my work so uh, it was interesting we were, we were there I was the last speaker I was to speak for an hour and 40 minutes and that morning, my wife and I were went in there. Economides pulled me over. He says, "Gregory, Gregory." He was a big Greek guy, 400 pounds probably, and uh, he says, 
after your talk, I will ask you a very difficult question. And he says, you must answer it truthfully. I said, okay. So at the end of the talk, he said, what's the greatest impediment to shale gas development in China? And I said, it's the very policies of the Chinese government itself. Now, bear in mind, three of the Chinese ministers were in the front row, and there was just stunned silence in the room because you don't go to China and criticize the Chinese government. And then it just erupted. But that's what he wanted to hear. And uh, so I've been a, I've been a kind of a troublemaker for a, for a long time. Um, but I, I've traveled to India, Algeria, uh, all over the world, uh, either speaking, lecturing, or or on business, which has been been fairly interesting. Most recently, India, which I'm not planning to go back to. But uh, uh, and then also I had a, a, a interesting political career founder and president of the of the Pennsylvania Coalition for Responsible Government statewide group uh, with thousands of members but since we predated the Tea Party uh, we were one of the first groups to get the IRS letter from Lois Lerner we were actually number eight on the IRS hit list uh, and since we were all entrepreneurs I, I was the uh, at that time I was a a founding partner of a of a, a successful startup company, um, and uh, we immediately, or our treasurer immediately resigned because she was a CPA, couldn't be involved, and we were all businessmen, and you don't want to get crossways with the IRS, so we withdrew our our application for tax exempt status, and then unincorporated. Uh, so she won. Uh, you don't want to fight the IRS. And that went on with a lot of a lot of groups. Um, so it was uh, it was incredible the letter we got from the IRS demanding every written uh, statement we'd ever made, any uh, uh, summaries of speeches, every single contribution, who made it, when. Uh, it was just a laundry list of just about everything. There was no way we can compile it, and we had ten days to complete it. Uh, it was it would it would have been an impossible task, and that's uh, that's that's what they did to all these comp- these uh, Tea Party groups, the conservative groups, uh, and uh, so they were very successful getting some of us out of it. Although uh, the the core group of our, uh, of our group, we remain uh, politically active, supporting limited government uh, candidates. Uh, we we like to to challenge squishy Republicans in, in safe districts with true conservatives and just actually had a great victory uh, recently in our in our local state Senate race with a great candidate. So, uh, yeah, we stay, I stay involved politically. Uh, but I, uh, I went into this. I, I've, I've written a new book, Eat Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Uh, but I didn't set out to write a book. I really didn't. I set out to seek the truth because as a geologist, I knew, I knew that some of the things we're being told about climate change were just wrong. And I suspected you're you're getting into what you want to, you're getting into one of my favorite topics that is climate change is the biggest piece of bullshit. And it's one of the greatest scams ever created. And I am jealous that Al Gore got to that before I did. I mean, I'm just kidding, though. I'm just kidding. But Al Gore literally is conning and stealing, and basically, I mean, he is the greatest 
um, thief and the greatest storyteller and the greatest uh, persuader. I mean, look, look what he created. Yep. Now he's got, I mean, it's absolutely insane. But at the same time, he's a genius because it's one of the, it will go down as one of the biggest scams, one of the polit- biggest yeah. political shams in, in history. Yeah, you, I, it sounds like you kind of feel about it like I do. I almost admire the guy for and, a second. And look at his, admire, real quick, look, real quick, look at his 12, what is it, 12 bedroom house and uh, what is it, yeah. spend how much on electricity uh, a day? Yeah. Like, he's such a hypocrite. And he says he cares about the environment. He flies on his own jet everywhere. And I mean, these guys are such hypocrites. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But, but you're right. I, I'm kind of where you are that Al Gore is great, slick, con man. And he's done great. He's been so successful, made so much money. And, um, I mean, he only took one science course in college and got a D in it. And we're supposed to listen to this guy. But it's he doesn't anger me as much as some of the, uh, the pseudo <laughs> – well, they're not pseudo-scientists, but the politically driven – Scientists right. that are that are marching to this agenda—they're they're the ones that really irritate me, and because we know what Al Gore's up to—he's not—he's in it for the money, period, and and he's done uh, really really well, but it's these other people—we've we've seen a diminishment and a loss of the scientific process. Probably is the biggest loser in this whole debate because what they've done instead of uh, taking uh, coming up with a a theory and testing it. And then uh, testing it again and testing it again. And if it doesn't work, you come up, you modify your theory. What they did was start with a conclusion and then fit everything around that conclusion to make sure that any of the tests that they do or any of the uh, whatever they're doing fits that conclusion. And we better not show anything that doesn't jive with this uh, theory of, of human-caused catastrophic warming. And it's the, the the science that's against that just doesn't uh, either get definitely doesn't get funded and doesn't get a lot of times doesn't get uh, uh, publicized. And in fact, my one of my primary editors is Lord Christopher Monckton. You may know that name, uh, Third Viscount of Brinchley. But yeah, he's a YouTube legend and uh, British. Uh, but uh, he wrote the foreword to my book. Uh, but he's got a paper coming out uh, with Dr. Uh, Willie Soon and, and or excuse me, Willie Happer and, and Dr. Soon. Uh, they've they've torn into the the numbers and the mathematical formulas behind the climate models, which we'll talk in a little bit about that that, that fail miserably and have identified three major errors uh, in the models. That uh, with their corrections to these models, uh, it comes back and. And actually, their 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 CO2 modeling with with temperature actually uh, pretty gets pretty close to what the actual uh, temperatures are. And uh, but they they're just having a oh just one heck of a time trying to get this thing published. And it's 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 it's, it's groundbreaking because it'll blow everything up. And they don't want the the peer-reviewed uh, journals don't want to touch it because it's it's you know it's. Uh, completely contrary, and to blow up uh, this theory of uh, of CO2 driven warming. 
Hi, uh, yeah, this is Gianni from New York. Um, I'm one of the few Republicans who do believe in climate change. Um, and I have some questions about, you know, to ask you about it. All right, so I got can, can three, I can three. I interrupt there, Roy, just one moment before you do? Yeah, I believe yeah, in it, ahead, too. I, I, you have to understand where I come from. I believe in it, too. I believe that we're adding CO2, and the CO2 we're adding to the atmosphere since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution has gone from 280 parts per million to a little over 400 now, and that increase right. is primarily from the burning of fossil fuels. That increase in CO2 necessarily has to provide some warming to the atmosphere, period. Mm -hmm. It does. But I believe it's completely overwhelmed. I think it's modest and entirely overwhelmed uh, by the natural forces that have been driving temperatures for hundreds of millions of years. Because those same natural forces didn't start or didn't stop functioning at the beginning of the 20th century. So my... my uh, you know, when when I say it's a hoax, I mean uh, what we say. My intention there is that it's primarily man-made, and where I believe it's mostly natural. And and the overarching theme of my book is that the rising temperatures and the increasing CO2 are showing tremendously beneficial effects on the Earth and on humanity. Um, and, and the oh, bad okay. things we well, hear yeah. about. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. Then I then I agree. I thought you was one of those like everything is fake. But yeah, so oh I no 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 no. You no. just yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Like it is a lot of natural stuff. But uh, so how do you uh, explain the shrinking uh, ice sheets like in Greenland and Antarctica and you know things in that in Antarctic? Ah ah, there we go. So here we. I just wrote a an op ed was picked up actually by Brent Bozell's. Uh, real, real website quick, last though, week. Real quick, I do want to say something though. Okay. It's actually, you know, and I, and I saw your, I saw, I think I've seen some of your pieces, uh, pieces like your your, your news, uh, your news articles, mm -hmm. and and what I what I what I what I see is that, and then I see from other things is that climate change is doing the opposite of what the left is saying. It's actually getting. Cooler, not warmer. Mm, no, I'm gonna have to correct you. You there. don't agree? We're, uh, n well, we, we've gone through, the last year and a half. We've seen a cooling because in 2016 we had a spike. Uh, we've been we've been warming for a little over 300 years, but it does it in fits and starts. You go through periods of, for example, 33 year cooling period from the mid 40s to the late 70s. It was cooling, cooled for those 33 years, and then it started warming for another 30 years. So, but the overall trend has been uh, increasing warmth since the the depths of the Little Ice Age, and we know what year that was. We know what year the, the warming started. It was the year 1695. The depths of the horrific Little Ice Age. Half the population of Iceland perished during the Little Ice Age. Now no, but let me now let me ask you if you can debunk this because you know I I strongly believe you know with with the Antarctica with the, what's going on in Antarctica and I know you're going to get to that in a second, but people are saying the polar ice caps are melting, everything's burnt, suffering over mm -hmm. there. But what I, what I've read and the statistics and facts I've read is that there's more polar ice caps now than there's pretty much ever been, and it's growing. That, that's 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 not true. We've we've seen a shrinking. Now, 
recently, over the last six months, and this is where we get into this contradictory information, um, I mean, we've seen an increase. Is it somewhat true, though? Is, 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 is it somewhat true? Uh, the recent ice, if you're talking about today, yes. Uh, in the last several months, we've seen an increase over what it normally has been. But if you look, and that's what we, I mean. we can't we, yeah. we can't do that. We have to look at it as a, in a longer time frame. And the and the northern polar ice cap is definitely shrinking. Okay, it just is. And but we could melt the entire entire northern polar ice cap, and it wouldn't do hardly a thing to sea level. And do you know why? It's floating on ice. It's different from Antarctica. It's different from Greenland because it's floating on ice. Ninety percent of that ice is submerged. So as that ice melts, the water displaces that volume of the ice. You can do that experiment tonight in a in a glass. Mark the level. Put some ice floating in a in a glass and mark the level. Uh, put it in the microwave, melt it, and the level remains the same. And it's basically the same thing with the northern polar ice cap, and the same with the Antarctic ice sheets. Those ice sheets, not on the land, but the ice sheets that are out. Uh, there was a big one, the Larsen Sea uh, ice, uh, ice sheet that, that broke away the, the size of Rhode Island or something uh, a year and a half ago that they made a lot of. The same thing with that. That that The melting of that would contribute nothing uh, to sea level. It's the melting of ice on land. So uh, the northern and, and, polar ice cap is, is, is shrinking, for sure. Do, do you remember where – and it has to go – go ahead, uh, and then I'm going to ask something, Gore, but go ahead. Well, in a warming trend that we've been in, this 300-plus-year warming trend, uh, clearly it's going to cause glaciers to recede. Uh, it's going to cause – and that's what really drives uh, – uh, sea level rise, but that sea level rise has been pretty constant since about all oh, the early 1800s, 1850 uh, to today, and it's it's very very slow. Something you can't even perceive in your lifetime. Uh, but but we know in the other warming periods the sea level uh, naturally rose uh, from natural forces. In fact, the city of Pisa in the medieval warming period was a port city. Today it's 15 kilometers inland, and that's all naturally driven. Because the sea level fell during the Little Ice Age, um, and the Little Ice Age went from about 1250 to about 1850. Uh, so, so these things are are naturally driven. But, but again, the the overarching thing that I like to talk about is there are the benefits of what we're seeing, and we see what we have is a thriving Earth, a prospering Earth, a greening Earth. Um, yeah. If your listeners are are, are have a, a in front of a computer or a smartphone, they could just Google. NASA, Greening, and Sahara, and see what they get. See what NASA says, and you'll find that things like the southern Sahara is thriving and turning into a lush grassland. It's called the Sahel. 300,000 square kilometers of the southern Sahara are, are turning into a, a an arable, tillable area with people moving back into it. And that's a huge untold story that nobody's talking so about. It, so in other words, and, and I, you know, so in other words, you know how the left tries to, you know, put global warming, uh, you know, they, they they definitely fabricate some of the facts and some of what it, what goes into it. Um, but what they fail to understand is, 
you know, a lot of them think this is like a new thing. A lot of them think this is something that, I mean, they they don't understand that, you know, and I don't like to call it global warming because I think it's stupid. But, you know, I, I think there's another name for it because, like you say, it's natural. Like, this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years that the earth has been changing. Like, this isn't anything new. It's not like it's, I mean, don't, is that a fair statement? Oh, yeah. The one thing I always say about temperature is, the only constant about temperature is it's never constant. It's going up and down and up and down and up and down. And it, it, it's all been naturally driven, and it's just, I mean, we can go from, look back 600 million years, look over the last 10,000 years, um, yeah. and we see that CO2, and particularly over during the, the, this, uh, the last 50 million years where we've been in glacial periods, uh, and we're actually, your, your listeners may not know, we're in one of the coldest mm-hmm times of Earth's history. You might have seen one of my op-eds concerning there was a a huge announcement that we just had 400 straight months of consecutive months of above-average temperatures. Well, yeah, duh. We're in a warming period. If the average, if they take, you know, they took the average of the 20th century. Yes. And I, I said, well, no, we've been, I said we had 600 million years of below average temperature. Because I, I yeah. took it back 50 million years, and and the average of the last 50 million years is way below what the average of Earth's history is, and the same with CO2. We see again we're at 400. There was all this uh, hue and cry that we'd exceed gone to 410 parts per million of CO2. It was it was dangerously high levels, 410. The average throughout Earth's history is 2600, 15 times what we are today. The average. So no, we're we're not actually at uh, dangerously high levels. We're actually CO2 impoverished. Completely opposite what they're trying to tell you. In fact, there's a great chart in my book showing 140 million year decline of CO2 from 2,500 parts per million in a straight line down to what I call the line of death. That's 150 parts per million below which plant life can't survive. And we almost got there at the end of the last ice age. We got to 182 parts per million within a whisker of 150. If we cross that line and plants can't survive, now that's a climate apocalypse. That's a that's a problem. You know, plants don't live, and the cuddly polar bears won't either. So real real quick, and then I want to let jo- Josh respond, my co-host, and then Gianni, of course. But, um, you know, Al Gore... You know, he, you know, remember when he said, sell your houses, global warming is going to come and destroy all your houses, they're going to overflow, they're going to flood, they're going to be underwater. Do you remember when he made that stupid statement and he made that movie, An Inconvenient Inconvenient Truth, which is a complete lie? Yep, yep. I mean, well, there was a, if, if you look, a similar case was made by the U.N., in 2005, where they predicted that there would be 50 million climate refugees by 2010. And they, in that report, they identified the most at-risk islands. Well, in my book, I look at those islands, and I looked at what the population was in 2005 and 2010. Well, the population had exploded. People weren't fleeing the islands that were most at risk. They were flocking to them. And but right. not to be outdone in 2015, the UN made the same statement: 50 million climate refugees from these same at-risk islands by 2020. Well, we're almost there. 
and nobody's fleeing the islands, and they're not drowning. And uh, so it's a very similar thing. It's, it's kind of – I thought it was pretty interesting to compare the populations, though, of, uh, of these islands that were supposed to be uh, uh, underwater by now. And let, let's face it. You know, a lot of these people that are going – that are talking about, like, the leftist ideology of climate change – I mean, you know, if, if if what they're saying, if what they, if what they believe, they think, and but you know, if what they, if what if they, if what if they think this is all true, what what you know, everything they're trying to spew to their uh, people to believe, then why the hell do they have all these beach houses? Let's, let, that's one thing, because let's face it, you know, they they, they think you know the worst is going to happen. I mean, let they, they are so off uh, kilter, and also. When, I mean, let's face it. A lot of these insurance companies would not be loaning, loaning to these beachfront properties if, if exactly. you know, if this le- if this leftist ideology of climate change it was in it was in existence. Exactly. Good, good, solid point right there. And they continue to loan money for beachfront homes. Right. And they're and they're it, very risk averse. Yeah, I mean it. You know, it, it's one of those things where, um, God, it, it it's it really is. Um, if you, if they just took the time, some of these people that believe that leftist gibberish uh, nonsense, you know, that they spew, uh, and look at these kind of facts about, you know, the you know companies would not be you know giving out loans to condos on the beach or you know. Yep. Beachfront properties or any I mean, you know, it's very simple And, and, and uh, easy to figure out But not, people Are so stuck in their own ways Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, Well, but you know You can't blame the, the regular Joe On the street because It's all they hear They get every day There's something about How we're all going to die, something new uh, It's either famine or Antarctica's melting or uh, you know, two months ago was a, a report that uh, global warming was going to make amphibians dumber. Really, I didn't think that could happen. I didn't, could could amphibians Jesus. be dumber? And it's just stupid things like that. Um, you know, poison. Well, actually, poison ivy. I looked into that one uh, that it was going to increase, and there's some actually some validity in that because because of CO2 fertilization. Uh, CO2 fertilization is an equal opportunity uh, uh, blesser of, of of growth. So, so yeah, maybe poison ivy could be enhanced a little bit, but so will all the other plant life uh, on Earth due to CO2 uh, fertilization effect. Yeah, yeah, and you know, here he, here's the thing, uh, Josh. I want you to respond. I know you have a lot to say. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, I uh, I had just two questions. One one being, um, and I, I'll just go ahead and set these both up. One being, mm-hmm. what do you think? You know, the the Republican Party's um, stance for a long time was basically it didn't exist. What do, do you know? How was that like wrong? Um, to an extent, like how was that foolish of them to just blanket say that? Just like it was foolish of the you know Democrat Party to say that you know we're all going to drown. How was how was that how was that foolish? And then the other question, um, be actually well, let's just start with that, and then I'll get back to the other one. Yeah, well, I think you're right. It, it was very harmful to the to the skeptical uh, those people that say it's a hoax, it's not happening, it's you know, blah blah blah. 
it, they do great harm to to people like me that are promoting a scientific based, science based, fact based approach combating uh, the lies of, of global warming and 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 human caused catastrophic warming, and that's 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 the key there. Uh, is it is it primarily human caused, and will it cause catastrophic consequences? Those are the two things. So so yes, I think the Republicans were. Um, we're talking five years ago, three, even three, two years ago. Uh, I think that Donald Trump, I think that Scott Pruitt and others have gotten educated on this. Uh, they've brought in people like John Christie from the University of uh, Alabama at Huntsville uh, to advise them, to tell them, hey, wait a minute, no. You got global warming's happening, but it's not us, and it's not going to be catastrophic. And and I think they're getting that that uh, that word. And I just got a actually a, a personalized uh, note from Scott Pruitt that I have here thanking me for the book. And I know it's personalized rather than a. It was a modified uh, form letter, but in it the modification was, uh, I as head of the EPA. I fully support the protection of of God's creation, and need to create his, treat his with a capital H uh, with, with, works with in, with be good stewards of his environment, and uh, which which follows on a lot with uh, from my book, and I also got a a handwritten note from Ryan Zenke, head of Interior. Uh, actually, quoting from the books, we're getting the book out there, and I've got a—I've got, actually got a, a note signed by Donald Trump too here, thanking me for the book. But uh, so we're getting the, the the book in the hands of the right people, and in fact, yeah. we heard Scott Pruitt just a few weeks ago. Uh, whenever I, whenever he said this, I had my uh, my my primary editor, my brother, that that was key and influential with the book. They were texting me going, Pruitt's read the book, Pruitt's read the book. Because Scott Pruitt said, he asked the question, how arrogant is it of us to know what the ideal temperature of the earth is? And and to that, which is a great question, how do we know what the ideal temperature is? But Dr. Michael Mann from Penn State, who is the, he's the creator of, if you might recall, the hockey stick, if you might know that, um, uh, huge, huge catastrophic warming uh, liar, and excuse me, did I say liar. I didn't mean that. He's very litigious. I shouldn't have said that. Real, but uh, real, real quick, uh, real quick um, I want you to go back to this. But how do you feel that? How do you feel? Um, don't you agree that they've treated Scott Pruitt totally unfairly? And I mean, this uh, stuff to attack him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, and they, they, they have uh, Scott Pruitt's. Been a wonderful addition. Uh, Donald Trump's appointed some some strong people there, but uh, and I love what Scott Pruitt's been been doing. Uh, but after Scott Pruitt said that about the ideal temperature, Dr. Michael Mann came back and he said, "Well, of course we know what the ideal temperature was. It was the temperature of Earth before we started adding CO2." And I said, "Really? That would put us squarely back in the middle of the Little Ice Age." People died. It wouldn't be good, and because we know throughout history that warming periods have been beneficial, uh, 
one of the great parts of my book, though, is the uh, the, the correlation between uh, the rise and fall of temperatures and the rise and fall of, of civilizations and empires. When it's warm, they they prosper, they thrive, they can grow food. When it gets cold, really bad things happen: crop failure, famine, pestilence, mass depopulation. Things go really bad in cold periods. So we should be blessed that we're on a warming trend, uh, that we're able to great, grow a lot of crops. Uh, crops are increasing every year. So this is a we're in a, we're in a beneficial time, uh, thankfully, due to the warming temperatures. <clears throat> and, I, and I think I think that led in I think that led in well to my second question here, which is, is there any? I mean, all the you know all the leftists uh, that that push this want us to do things to you know solve the problem. First off, do you think that there's something that you know, you know, I and America has to do to quote unquote fix this problem, or do you not see it as a problem that needs fixed, or like where would you come out on that? Well, actually, my my summary, the end of the book, my summary says it's summary the benefits of principled inaction. Okay, and from that you can gather, I believe that the best thing we can do is nothing. It's it take the money that we might spend or half the money or a quarter of it and apply it to, to things that really make a difference. Because even if we enact, if, if you look at, at what, and using the climate models that the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, uses, um, if every, all the countries on Earth actually adopted um, the Paris Climate Accords, it would scarcely affect temperatures. Uh, very, very little, uh, be be less than half a degree centigrade, and for uh, what, what's estimated to be a uh, hundred trillion dollars, Bjorn Lomberg from the University of Copenhagen estimates a hundred trillion dollars by the the end of this century that we would be uh, sucking out of the Western world, and primarily the United States, and uh, for 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 virtually nothing. So what we want to do is 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 impact our our economy, hamstring us, and it's uh, it just does not make sense. Uh, and why are we doing it? Because I, I opened my book up with a quote from H. L. Mencken, and to paraphrase, uh, he said that governments and institutions need to create these imaginary hobgoblins of alarm with which to to frighten the population, and you need to to frighten the population enough so that they'll gladly accept otherwise onerous and painful regulations like the Paris Climate Accords. Uh, why else would we accept the Paris Climate Accords? It's going to hurt us. It's going to hurt our economies. It's going to drag us down. It's going and to it be, does uh, nothing. And we get nothing in return. Right. And we're the only nation on Earth that's reducing its CO2. And it's all free market driven because of, thank God, fracking and natural gas is driving down uh, – we're reducing our CO2 output, and that's I, I'm I'm a I'm a big I I've got a bumper sticker on my car uh, that that I I've got that promotes the book. It says I heart CO2, and whenever I go anywhere, I'm wearing a button that a button and I heart CO2. Uh, I need to send you guys books, and I'll send you some of my stickers, my my I love CO2 stickers, and because. I think you, if you were on my blog post there at inconvenientfacts.xyz, you'll be able to see uh, one of my, like I said, one of my blogs and one of the op-eds there was, uh, uh, I think it was Daily Caller I was on, uh, 
that one was uh, I love carbon dioxide and you should too. And man, it caused the the, the radical uh, environmentalist heads to explode when I when I write stuff like that. Yeah, and you know, um, I know that I, I want to. I know you were talking about you know I. I think you said something, you know, uh, must have got changed in the topic, but you were talking about a trip you had to Antarctica, and you were going to kind of debunk some things that, you know, the well, liberal... Well, I didn't have a trip liberal... there. No, oh, I didn't okay. have a trip there. No, no there was a, must be a confusion this... there. Uh, I'd like okay, to go. Yeah, I, thought, I thought you said that. I thought you said that earlier in the show. My bad. Um, I no, I, India, maybe. Okay, Gianni has a question for you. Here you go. Yes, so I definitely agree, you know, that the Paris climate, you know, thing was definitely hurting our economy. It was very much terrible. Um, But when it comes to uh, the human environment and things like solar panels and solar energy and things, I'm a big, big advocate for that. And do you think that would help? You know, like, because when you go in cities, like, let's say you got New York City or, you know, downtown, uh, you know, it could be terrible toxics and toxins and things in that nature and atmosphere for, you know, human people and sometimes life. So are you an advocate for solar energy or, you know, is it kind of like uh, overstated or kind of, you know, done over? I, I'm, not a, I'm not a proponent of solar energy except in uh, as, as a mass-produced energy. I think there are, there are applications for it in remote areas. But if you want to do... If you want to think you're going to power the United States or large uh, areas with with vast solar arrays, I think that's a huge mistake. Uh, I think it has a really good application in in remote application areas, you know, India, uh, throughout Africa, where they don't have a a network where there's no way to get electricity. That's that's a right. really good idea there, uh, but. But as a as a mass produced electricity, no, I don't believe so. And, and wind power is boy. Uh, I, I just wrote an op ed here a couple of weeks ago uh, here in Pennsylvania, the the, the uh, Pennsylvania Game Commission that controls 1.5 million acres in Pennsylvania actually banned wind energy, any wind turbines on their property, uh, and their 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 areas, their properties that they control and it's controlled for uh, wildlife and hunting and, and such uh, are very much in demand and because uh, they control a lot of these ridge tops along the Appalachian Mountains that are uh, prime uh, industrial wind energy uh, areas that would be great for the, for the industry uh, but they banned it because they said it was they saw no way that you could that wind turbine and wind energy could uh, safely be used without harming the wildlife, uh, the nature, wow. and and allow people to go to continue hunting and and enjoy the the properties because it's it, frankly it's dangerous. And Germany, they're seeing that today. They've got aging infrastructure of wind turbines that are uh, catastrophically failing. On a, on a more regular basis as they age, and these things that you don't be camping out under a wind turbine, because man, when these things, when these, when they, when these things catastrophically uh, uh, fail, it's ugly. And actually, the ones that don't catastrophically fail in, in areas you don't have to worry about it in in uh, Arizona, 
But in the northern climes like we have here, uh, ice throw and ice fall is a huge danger. These things are moving up to speeds of 200 miles an hour, accumulating ice and then throwing it for hundreds of yards. Um, And, boy, you you don't want to get hit with a piece of ice being thrown uh, 200 miles per hour. So no, I'm not. A, I'm not a big proponent of of mass uh, solar energy. Uh, I, I like fossil fuels, and and there's what the problem is. Fossil fuels have been demonized because of carbon dioxide, and yeah. again, what we see are, are are mainly benefits from carbon dioxide. And, and I think the reason they get demonized, it, it's it's just le- it's the left for poli- their political gain. It's not on their agenda, and they they've been doing that um, for a long time. And you know that's nothing new. I mean, don't you agree? The left does purposely does that. Oh, of course. It's a you know I get asked a lot of times about and re- political ramifications because and and yeah. you know sometimes when we talk about this, it's almost like we ought to be wearing a tinfoil hat. Because it sounds like this massive conspiracy, and you know, it, but the science, the facts, and the data back up what I'm saying. Uh, there's, uh, you know, I, I just don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to fight these guys. Do you know there's an old there's an old saying that if Bill Clinton took a shit in the street and he said it was a good idea, the Democrats would go in the street and eat it, but. <laughs> Real, 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 real quick. Um, very important. Um, so, did you hear California is uh, having ma- put, making houses mandatory having having houses have mandatory uh, solar panels? I heard that. And, and what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, don't you think that is a anti an anti uh, against people's rights uh, in a way? Don't you think that crosses certain well, lines? Well, as a limited legality? government guy, I'm. As a limited government guy, what do you think I'm going to think? Of course, it's it's I'm, awful, it it's crosses, horrible. It's, it crosses legal boundaries, don't you agree? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's. it's I mean, there's it's, no. It's criminal. Uh. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it could could withstand a. Uh, well, it's California. You know. Yeah. I was going to say it won't it won't pass constitutional muster, but in California it might. Uh, for everything we've seen. I, I mean, California is turning into a third world country in, in every single, you know, way, shape, or form. I mean, you can't even uh, – it, it's absurd. I mean, the, the kind of misery and, uh, you know, uh, lifestyle that is uh, being led there. You know, the, the middle class is all leaving. Um, Josh, Coming to Arizona. Exactly, yep, in Phoenix. A lot of them have came here. Um, Josh, go ahead, though. Yeah, I Josh? mean, um, yeah. So, you know, another another quick question, specifically about Al Gore. So I went back. Uh, so I'm 20 years old. So I, you know, the whole the Bush uh, Al Gore election was kind of before my political uh, uh, ramifications were fully in, you know, happening. So I went back and listened to a lot of the debates just to figure out what was going on. And oddly enough, from what I figured out, the the what Bush and what Al Gore were saying, especially about climate change, that seems like they were almost saying the same things, but they yeah. somehow were disagreeing. But I guess talk a little bit about that because that was always confused me about because it seemed like they were saying the exact same thing, except that 
they were arguing about it. And I'm like, but you guys yeah, said the same thing. <laughs> right, 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 right. And we have what we saw in that and other 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 situations where the GOP and the Republicans just they were just stupid. And and yeah, they were they were cowtowing. They were trying to be Democrat light, and it was like, yeah, we got to we got to we got to save the environment and. Uh, he was just wrong, and I. It, there's nothing else to say about that. And we we see that, you know, I, I was a supporter of George Bush at the time, and uh, but I see looking back in hindsight, I'm not. You know, there were a lot of things that I we can say about them that, that we don't like. And but I, you're, you're 20 years old, are you, Josh? Yes. Yeah. I, when I was your age, I'm a young 62. Uh, when I was your age, I was a member of the Socialist Workers Party, um, and oh wow, yeah, I was. I subscribed oh, to Mother geez. Jones and the Militant, and uh, yeah. I went and protested Richard Nixon's uh, inauguration. Yeah, I was into it, and then uh, I went to graduate school, and uh, in Morgantown, West Virginia, every day we would play the card game euchre. And yeah. every day at 12.15 p.m. on WAJRAM, the Ronald Reagan commentary would come on. And every day we'd be playing Euchre, and every day I'd agree with Ronald Reagan, day after day after day. And Ronald Reagan grabbed me by the back of the neck and dragged me out of the uh, the uh, socialist abyss that I was in. And uh, Amen. I said, you know what, I, I I agree with you. Now I didn't I didn't vote for him in 1980. I voted for uh, there was a third party candidate, John Anderson, because I wasn't quite there. Uh, but I've uh, it's like the alcoholic that gives up alcohol or the whatever. You know, I've I've completely uh, gone over to the conservative limited government philosophy now. So so there is hope for these young people that when you when you hear them talk. You know, I'm I'm an example of of how somebody can be changed, and uh, it, it can happen, and it does once they start uh, either, you know, getting a paycheck and seeing how much taxes are taken out, or or just have an open mind. Uh, like I say, I'm a, I'm a I'm a great example of how people can be changed. Yeah, and you, wow, and you you, you know. This, this is Rory again, and your open mind is absolutely, you know, incredible. And the fact that you got out of that uh, uh, that slump uh, of being in the Socialist Party, Jesus Christ! I mean, Bernie Sanders, those type of people drive me insane. I mean, those people are nuts. Um, but it's the, and, it's uh, you the know, fallback. It's it's the easy thing for people to do. It's like it's oh Venezuela, well, and it would turn into Venezuela. I mean, if we went down that route, yeah. we'd be in Venezuela. Yeah. It, well, you say yeah. it is the fallback, though. You're absolutely right. I mean, there's no there's no motive, there's no future with socialism. I mean, it's just a setback. It's it's basically greed at its finest. Yeah. But uh, and and I, I, what I really want to ask you, you know, people always like to talk about and and you know, kind of over exaggerate and kind of be it's fabricated a little bit. How can you please explain to the audience and everyone? I'm sure you study this 
the earth getting closer and closer. I mean, and, and not the earth, the, the sun getting closer and closer. And, you know, it, I know it's over-exaggerated and people are getting scared of it and people think everything's going to overheat because the sun's getting closer and closer. But please, can you kind of uh, explain that a little bit? Um. Please forgive me. I like, have no idea what you're talking about. I've not heard anything Like the about sun that. getting closer to the earth, like the sun is getting closer I and closer. I don't. I'm not buying it. Well, that's, you yeah, know what I'm talking about, It might about, be. It, it, well, it, but it, we're, we're talking, you're probably talking hundreds of millions of years, and just, it's, it's, right. it's and, not and getting that's, close. And that's, yeah, and that's what the liberals like. These liberals, like some the way the I've, I've not heard think, anything about that. You've never like yeah, like that's been something that's been driving people crazy. Like they think that's really affecting no. global warming. Oh, I've not. No, I, I I've not heard anything about that. But I do hear. I mean, the sun does have a is probably the the primary driver of of temperature change. Uh, but it's not have it's not because we're closer. Well. It, it is because of the of the what are called Milankovitch cycles that we're in a hundred thousand year Milankovitch cycle that due to the eccentricity of the Earth's orbit we get closer every hundred thousand years that drives yeah the the interglacial warming but but there's nothing really significant about us getting closer or farther. Uh, what's driving a lot of the temperature is really the uh, appears to be primarily the the magnetic activity in the sun and the sunspots, and because we know that the coldest period over the last several thousand years was the Maunder minimum, when the the sunspots just stopped almost, and and the Earth experienced terribly terribly cold period. Um, yeah, and 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 here here's the here's the part that bothers me as well is that when all of these massacres were occurring, like Hurricane Harvey, you know, all of these different things, you know, all of the, the, the first thing the Democrat channel, CNN, MSNBC, goes to is global warming. And that's the first thing they blame it on. I mean, can you, can you please kind of debunk that and say that's beyond yeah. ridiculous? I mean, yeah, there was – in fact, I was uh, – I, I got invited on uh, Fox and Friends. I was uh, – Peter Hegseth interviewed yeah. me. After Harvey, the two days well, actually it was during Harvey. Um, yeah. Because uh, Brian Kilmeade from uh, Fox, if you know that name, is is a great. Yeah. Uh, he he loves the book, and and um, uh, has been a big help for me getting on Fox and Friends. He he later had me on with Tucker Carlson, and uh, nice. but but I was interviewed by Peter Hegseth about uh, like uh, about Harvey and. The fact of the matter is, when Harv, we had we had gone through twelve years of no major hurricanes making landfall in the United States, and that had been yeah. that that is the longest time period since Noah started taking records back in 1850. They, 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 their, their records go back to 1850. So this was yeah. we had just gone through twelve years. The previous was eight years back in the 1860s. Okay, so uh, when Harvey hit, we had Harvey and I forget the other two, the the other two uh, hurricanes that hit. Uh, It seemed like a lot of hurricanes hitting in a short period of time, and it was, and it was slightly above average. 
But uh, if you look again, you have to place this in a longer term context that those that those three hurricanes uh, punctuated a cycle of 12 years without any hurricanes of major category three or above hitting the United States. Uh, so whenever they and, and Harvey had nothing to do, it was yeah, it was a category three when it hit. But the problem with Harvey was that it wasn't so that it was so violent. It just suddenly come on land and just stopped. It just dumped yeah. rain on Houston for a week or a week and a half, and that was the problem. And yes. because Hurricane Stop has nothing to do with climate change, usually that thing right. would just move on. It would be a heavy rainfall, a couple of days of rain, uh, a little bit of flooding, and then it's on up into uh, uh, Indiana or, or Minnesota or wherever it's going to head to. And uh, uh, But it did. It just it, – Harvey just – stopped yeah yeah um and, and you know i want you to please um we are we do have to wrap things up in, in a second here um but what, I, what i do want you to you please tell everyone so they can sleep well uh tonight and every night that don't buy into the left says about global warming i mean they make it sound like it's life or death they make it sound like the world's going to end tomorrow you know, I mean, this this sort of climate change stuff it takes thousands and thousands of years, and it's been going on for all of these years. Nothing is going to end. Nothing is going to stop. Yeah, sleep well. Uh, <laughs> your rising temperatures and increasing CO2 are benefiting the earth. And uh, just as importantly, you should go look at buying my book at inconvenientfacts.xyz. And hit the subscribe button, and I'll send you a PowerPoint of the top 25 figures in the book. Absolutely. I I look forward to it. Um, Also, I would would want you – I want to ask you, um, what about your website? Where can people find you on social media and and your website? Yeah, inconvenientfacts.xyz. Okay, uh, inconvenientfacts. Oh, go ahead. Dot X Y Z. Inconvenientfacts. Dot X Y Z. Okay, excellent. And and real real quick, um, do you? I mean, what's the best? When do you think this whole? I mean, because I look at I look at the way the left puts, you know, the, the way they define climate change, the way they put it in their narrative. It, it's you know, we all know it's political gain. A lot of it's fabricated facts. And it's it's a trend in a lot of ways. We see a lot of Hollywood taking after it, and a lot of these different uh, big time public figures uh, kind of mimicking, and then going doing what other people, other leftists are doing, which is promoting this garbage uh, global, the the fake global warming facts, which they do. But when do you think this sort of trend will stop? When do you think they'll stop trying to brainwash people with it? Because at some point, oh, oh, you not, know, they're not going to. Yeah, they're not going to stop. They won't. They won't cease. It'll continue going. But but I, I'm very optimistic. I see a great turnaround uh, with people. And people like you getting this word out uh, is helpful. I've been on uh, – I've reached out. I've, I've probably had contact with, with, with conversations like this, over 20 million people over the last couple of months. 
you know, I've been on, like I say, Tucker Carlson and Fox and Friends and you know, yep. some, yeah, uh, some of the big, uh, uh, of course, no one as big as Rory uh, Sauter, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh uh, they're, they're, you know, we're getting the word out, and I'm getting uh, great acceptance. Speaking to, to scientific groups, uh, 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 industry groups. Speaking, I'll be speaking down at a, uh, conventions in Houston and Denver uh, coming up. I'm going to D.C. next week to speak with the uh, Eagle Forum a Collegian great, uh, uh, group uh, heading down there next so, week. Real quick, not to interject, not interject in front of you, but uh, I was actually at that event uh, last year. I'm, I'm actually interning with them in St. Louis here coming up, so I'm glad to hear you're going to. Oh, Eagle Forum! I'm supposed to speak in St. I'm, they want me to speak in St. Louis. I'm scheduled there uh, in I think September. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interning with them here July August, so uh, that's going to be well, fun. I'm, I'm, I know Ed Martin very well, and I was he's a, very he's a, close. He's a great dude. I was. I was very close with uh, Phyllis. Uh, whenever she came in town, we usually had breakfast or dinner, uh, and uh, so now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm. Uh, uh, he, oh, that's great to hear that you're an Eagle Forum person. That's um, awesome. That's good. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I might get to see you in DC then. <laughs> oh, are you going to DC? I, I you think. Are, I think if. I think with the internship, I think I'll be in D.C. helping out with stuff. Uh, uh, we'll see here soon. But um, if I am, I'll definitely make sure to say yes, is Josh. Is that Josh? Okay. Yeah. And then we need to connect with uh, uh, via emails and such. For sure, yeah. What's what's the best way to do that? Or, do, or should I, and I I've got your, get your stuff from him? I'll, I'll text you. Perfect. Perfect. And, uh, you know, you know, I and you know, I asked you that question, Greg, about you know when will it stop with all of the you know because I do you kind of agree it is kind of a trend with you know all these say they're, they're these people that say they're for the earth and all these you know hippie kind of people and kind of these leftists that take after Hollywood. Uh, I, I mean, do, do you don't, don't you agree it's a trend? I mean, they they're like followers. Um. And they don't really know. They don't yeah, know. Yeah, but it's yeah, but you know, I, it's not going to stop. These people are they're they're, they're committed. We could, they're, we could tell them facts all day long, and they would keep denying, right. and denying, and denying, wouldn't they? They're 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 they're, they're not going to listen. I know that because I I fight with them every day on Facebook and and other things and. And they're they're anything that you say, no matter how fact based, they fight they they dispute it and call you a science denier and the like. And uh, so, all right, well, guys, well, well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, and, uh, Josh. Um, I hope to see. Is it Josh? I hope to see you in uh, D.C. In, in a week and a half. Yeah, for sure, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get to connect there. Okay, that'd be great. And uh, you know, I do I do want to have you back on very soon. I mean, I know we we talked for a long time, um, and we had a very good conversation. Uh, you you're very 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 smart. You've lived a hell of a life. You you have a, an amazing resume. It's a novel, 
Um, there's nothing. I mean, what haven't you done? I mean, it's it's very impressive, and uh, I really want to thank you for coming on. Um, I, uh, you know, and, yeah. I mean, I, I I could keep you on for so so much longer. I mean, there's so much to talk about. Um, so I'm definitely gonna have to get you back on. Uh, let's, let's say let's try and shoot for next week. A little earlier would be good. All right. All right. Very good. Very good. All righty. So, so, sounds good. All right. All righty. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for coming on. Cheers. Take care, Greg. Greg Wrightstone, everybody. Great, great guest. Great man. Did a hell of a job. Wow. He uh, he really has his stuff in order, I'll tell you. He... Um, he knows uh, he knows what's going on. There's no doubt about it, uh, especially with uh, all this science stuff. I mean, wow, uh, I, I need to get more involved in science. And, like, this is so – it's so cool and, and uh, interesting and fun to uh, learn more and more about this stuff. And, uh, you know, he gave us a lot of knowledge and, and insight on, uh, on these different um, – things that uh, need to be addressed in society, you know, the real facts. But what do you think, Josh? I mean, boy, a lot of the stuff he was talking about with, the, you know, just the different scientific facts were so far over my head it wasn't even funny. But at the same time, it, like, made sense. So, um, you know, I, uh, I, I think I, that's what I liked about him the most was that even though his stuff was you know it's very scientifically based and it's you know not for not for you know the stupid um he was able to kind of not dumb it down but simplify it in a way that you know anybody can really understand if they're willing to obviously a lot of the people on the left aren't willing to uh but boy it really goes to show that when you're willing to open up your mind you can really you know understand a lot of things absolutely and uh i want to get into my you know a lot of the breaking stories today. Um, There is the house passed a resolution demanding Rod Rosenstein turn over FBI documents. Um, And uh, Rod Rosenstein also said the DOJ can still prosecute Hillary Clinton with her email case if they find uh, sufficient evidence. But I mean, I don't trust Rod Rosenstein, so I would not count on that. Um, You know, so that's, that's something, but anyways, I really want to play this clip. Dowdy grilled Rosenstein today on when Rosenstein, Rosenstein was testifying in front of um, in front of everyone. You got you guys got to hear this. Dowdy did an unbelievable job. Uh, one five. Chair recognizes the gentleman from South Carolina, Mr. Gowdy, for five minutes. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. The Russia investigation has been going on for almost two years now. Special counsel's investigation has been going on for over a year now. For most Americans, it's important to know what Russia did to our country in 2016 and with whom, if anyone, they did it. Uh, when a foreign state interferes with our democratic electoral process, um, it should be chance of a lifetime for a law enforcement agent to investigate that, except apparently the one that was actually picked to investigate it. Uh, that was Peter Strzok. FBI agent Peter Strzok was picked to lead the FBI's investigation into what Russia did in July of 2016. It was a counterintelligence investigation begun in late July 2016, and he was leading it. And at about the exact same time, 
he was picked to lead it, this dispassionate and uh, fair FBI agent was calling Trump a disaster, destabilizing for the country. Uh, I'll leave out uh, all the F uh, adjectives he used to describe that. I'll just go with disaster and destabilizing. Same time, his uh, FBI lawyer girlfriend, Lisa Page, was telling him he was meant to protect the country. This neutral, dispassionate FBI agent said, I can protect the country at many levels. Same time, Peter Strzok, who was picked to objectively, fairly, neutrally look into the Russia investigation, was talking about an insurance policy with Andy McCabe and Lisa Page in the event Donald Trump became the president. All of this was happening at the same time Peter Strzok said he could smell the Trump support in Southern Virginia. All of this was at the same time that this FBI agent said a Trump presidency would be effing terrifying and that it will never happen. No, no, we'll stop it. So while investigating Russia and their attempt to subvert our democracy may have been important to the rest of the country, it wasn't all that important to about a half dozen FBI agents and lawyers who were assigned to the case. For them, it was an investigation to stop Donald Trump, which then brings us to May of 2017 and the appointment of special counsel, where we find Peter Strzok again, this same supposed-to-be-dispassionate, neutral, fair FBI agent. You would think he'd be really excited about investigating what a foreign power tried to do to this country, but you would be wrong again. Peter Strzok at precisely the same time that Bob Mueller was appointed, precisely the same time, Peter Strzok was talking about his unfinished business and how he needed to fix and finish it so Donald Trump did not become president. He was talking about impeachment within three days of special counsel Mueller being appointed. Three days. That's even quicker than MSNBC and the Democrats were talking about impeaching Within three days, the lead FBI agent is talking about impeaching the president. So this is where we are. We're two years into this investigation. We're a year and a half into the presidency. We're over a year into special counsel. You have a counterintelligence investigation that's become public. You have a criminal investigation that's become political. You have more bias than I have ever seen manifest in a law enforcement officer in the 20 years I used to do it for a living and four other DOJ employees who had manifest animus towards the person they were supposed to be neutrally and detachedly investigating. Democrats are using this investigation as a presumption of guilt, which I, I find astonishing, and in the long run for the health of this republic, I would encourage them to go back to the presumption of innocence that we used to hold sacred. There's a presumption of guilt. There's a desire by Democrat senators to fundraise off of your investigation. More than 60 Democrats have already voted to proceed with impeachment before Bob Mueller has found a single solitary damn thing. More than 60 have voted to move forward with impeachment, and he hasn't presented his first finding. So I'm going to say this to you, Mr. Ray, Mr. Rosenstein. I realize that neither one of you were there when this happened, but you're both there now. Uh, Russia attacked his country. They should be the target, but Russia isn't being hurt by this investigation right now. We are. This country is being hurt by it. We are being divided. We've seen the bias. We've seen the bias. We need to see the evidence. 
If you have evidence of wrongdoing by any member of the Trump campaign, present it to the damn grand jury. If you have evidence that this president acted inappropriately, present it to the American people. Uh, There's an old saying that justice delayed is justice denied. I think right now all of us are being denied. Whatever you got, finish it the hell up, because this country is being torn apart. I would yield back, Mr. Chairman. Either the witnesses care to respond to the... I would uh, simply respond, Ms. Gowdy. I certainly share your views about those text messages, and uh, nobody is more offended than I about what's reflected in those messages. With regard to the investigation, uh, I've heard suggestions that we should just close the investigation. I think the best thing we can do is finish it appropriately, and reach a conclusion. And I certainly agree with you, sir. People should not jump to conclusions without seeing the evidence. I've been the victim of fake news attacks myself, so I'm sympathetic. I agree with you, sir, that uh, there's been no allegation made by the Department of Justice or the special counsel other than what's reflected in those documents that are filed publicly, the charged folks. Nobody should draw any conclusions beyond those charges. Okay. Wow. So, everybody, we saw Gowdy completely just destroy and nail um, Rosenstein. And, uh, you know, he's absolutely right. We haven't seen any sufficient evidence that Trump colluded with Russia. It's totally a fabricated, made-up, false narrative story. Also, over 60% of the Democrats, within a few days, days. within within three days of him getting into office, wanting him impeached, I mean, do we see all of this bias? Do we see, I mean, the text messages, the uh, fake dossier, the, um, I mean, what does it take? What does it take? I want to play a clip. This is great. Jim Jordan completely nailing Rosenstein. You guys all have to listen to this, and then we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about this all. Uh, One six. Uh, there we go. Chair recognizes the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Jordan. For Thank five. you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Rosenstein, why are you keeping information from Congress? Congressman, I am not keeping any information from Congress that it's appropriate. In a few minutes, Mr. Rosenstein, I think the House of Representatives is going to say something different. I don't agree with you, Congressman. I don't believe that's what they're going to say. And if they do, they'll you be mistaken. I disagree, but I think, I think in a few minutes the House of Representatives is going to go on record saying you haven't complied with requests from a separate and equal branch of government that you haven't complied with subpoenas, and you got seven days to get your act together. I think that's what's going to happen in a few – and that's, just not, that's not Jim Jordan. I think that's the – I think that's the majority of the House of Representatives. In just a few minutes, I think that's going to happen. And I want to know why you won't give us what we've asked for. Sir, I certainly hope that uh, your colleagues are not under that impression. Uh, that is not accurate, sir. And you it can... is accurate. We have caught you hiding Mr. Chairman, can we Mr. allow Rosenstein. the witness to answer? Mr. Chairman, point of order. We can go to Mr. Jordan's press conference and listen to him, but we came here to hear from the, the witness. The time belongs to the gentleman. Mr. Rosenstein, can we allow him to answer? We have caught you hiding information. To allow him to answer. He will be permitted I to answer, answer when Mr. Jordan. Mr. Jordan. Why do we have them here? We'll allow him to answer. Why are they not allowed to answer? The gentleman's out of order. The gentleman from Ohio is recognized. Mr. Rose, let me make this one point, then I'll let yes, you answer. Mr. Jordan, I'd like let me, to let me make this one point sir. where we've caught you hiding information, sir? then you can answer. Why did you hide the fact that Peter Strzok and Judge Contreras were friends? Why did you redact that in the documents you gave to us? Peter, I mean, Judge Contreras is kind of important. FISA court judge, more importantly, just as importantly, 
the judge that uh, heard Mike Flynn's case. Why'd you try to hide that from us? Mr. Jordan, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to respond. I've heard you make those sort of allegations publicly on TV. It's, I got, the, and, and I if got you it right respond, here. Sir. Mr. Chairman, he should be given right the opportunity. Now, Mr. Jordan, it's I am the Deputy Attorney General of the United States. Okay? I'm not the person doing the redacting. I'm responsible for responding to your concerns as I have. I have a team with me, sir. It's just a fraction of the team that's doing this work, and whenever you brought issues to my attention, I have taken appropriate steps to remedy them. So your statement that I'm personally keeping information from you, trying to conceal information... You're the from boss, people, Mr. Rosenstein. That's correct. And my job is to make sure that we respond to your concerns. We have, sir. Now, I've appointed Mr. Lausch, who is managing that production, and my understanding is it's actually going very well, sir. So I appreciate your concerns. Again, I think so the House of Representatives is going to say otherwise. But your use of this to attack me personally Why did you is not wrong. The point of order, Mr. Chairman, may the witness be permitted it's to not, answer the question? It's not personal. The gentleman will suspend. The witness is going to have an opportunity to say whatever he wants at the end of Mr. Jordan's five minutes. Until the it is not those personal. five minutes, they're his time. I appreciate your service. It's not personal. <laughs> we just want the information. Why did you tell Peter Strzok not to answer our questions yesterday? When I asked, when I asked Peter Strzok if he'd ever communicated with Glenn Simpson... He gave us the answer he gave us dozens of times. On advice of FBI counsel, I can't answer that question. Why couldn't he answer that question? Mr. Jordan, I appreciate your sincere concerns, but I didn't give Peter Strzok any instructions. If there was some problem with the instructions he had, I'll be happy to look not into what, it. Not what his you FBI lawyer said. Mr. Jordan, it, when, when you find some problem with a production or with questions, it doesn't mean that I'm personally trying to conceal something from you. It means we're running an organization that's trying to follow the rules, and we're going to respond. You know what was interesting? When I asked him if he'd ever talked to Bruce Orr, he said he had. He said he had three times in 2016 and 2017. Then I asked him, have you ever talked to Nellie Orr? And he said, no, I haven't. I said, well, why can you answer that question? Because Nellie Orr worked for Glenn Simpson, worked for Fusion. He could answer that question, but he couldn't answer because FBI counsel told him he couldn't. He couldn't answer the question whether he'd ever communicated with Glenn Simpson, a journalist. Why couldn't he answer that question? Mr. Jordan, I appreciate your saying it isn't personal. Sometimes it feels that way. How do I know, sir? I mean, I, you interviewed Mr. Strzok. I didn't, uh, so I can't Works answer. Works for you. Doesn't work for us. Uh, there are 115,000 people who work for me, sir. Mr. Rosenstein, did you threaten staffers on the House Intelligence Committee? Media reports indicate you did. Media reports are mistaken. Sometimes. But this is what they said. Having the nation's number one law enforcement officer threaten to subpoena your calls and emails is downright chilling. Did you threaten to subpoena their calls and emails? No, sir, and there's no way to subpoena phone calls. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm reading what the press said. I'm reading well, what the I, press said. I would said. suggest that you not rely on what the press said, sir. Well, I didn't ask if there's no way to do it. I asked if you said it. If I said what? What I just read you. No, I did not. Well, now, who are we supposed to believe? Staff members who we've worked with, who've never misled us, or you guys, who we've caught hiding information from us, who tell a witness not to answer our questions. Who are we supposed to believe? Thank you for making clear it's not personal, Mr. Jordan. <laughs> well, I, I didn't, I'm saying the you Department of Justice. because I'm telling the truth and I'm under oath. If you want to put somebody else under oath and they have something different... I know these yeah, staff members. Here, here's, here's my last question. What's so important that you know that you don't want us to know, that you won't give us the documents we're asking for, that the House of Representatives is about ready to go on record saying you should give us, what's so darn important that you will threaten members, at least according to media reports and according to the staff members, threaten members... inquiry, Mr. Chairman. What is so important, Mr. Rosenstein? Elementary inquiry, Mr. Chairman. This is not an appropriate time for a parliamentary inquiry. In point of order. 
Uh, the gentleman keeps representing that the House of Representatives, yes, it will be. The Republicans who continue it's to... Not a, that is not an appropriate point of order. Well, he, he the, needs to be correct in his time, statement. The time of the gentleman... The gentleman will be, be restored the in of the Republican the, Party. The gentleman will suspend. The time of the gentleman from Ohio will be uh, restored for an additional 15 seconds, and then the Deputy Attorney General will be re allowed to respond. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Mr. Rostein, I, Mr. Ray, I do appreciate your work, but... I'd also appreciate if the House of Representatives could get the information. We have repeatedly, Mr. Gowdy talked about how long this investigation is going on, how long there's been a special counsel. We started asking for information in July of last year, and some of that is still not given, still has not been given to the Congress, still not has been given to this committee, the committee charged with defending the, the Judiciary Committee. So I appreciate what you do. I just want the information, and we're so frustrated that there is now a resolution on the floor of the House. In just a few minutes, that will be voted on. Yeah, the time of the gentleman has expired. Uh, Mr. Rosenstein will oh, be allowed to respond. I don't have any control over what resolutions you vote on, sir. And I know you don't. To do that, but the gentleman will suspend it. If the time now is the Attorney General's. If you're interested in the truth, Mr. Jordan, the truth is we have a team of folks. They're Trump appointees and career folks, and they're doing their best to produce these documents. Director Ray explained to you the process. He's got hundreds of people working around the clock trying to satisfy these requests. So whether you vote or not is not going to affect it. You're going to get everything that's relevant that we can find and produce to you. I, I support this report, sir. I'm not trying to hide anything from you. <coughs> wow. Whoa, 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 Jesus Christ. So, where do I begin? Where do I begin? Rosenstein, first of all, is a big, big wimp. This little, short, little guy, I mean, this, this guy has, is totally scared out of his mind. He can't even answer straight questions. He gets very, uh, defen he, he gets very, uh, um, pissed off when, when you know, people are trying to get certain the truth out. I mean, the, the guy is justifying. He's not taking any accountability. Um, and by the way, the House did pass the resolution demanding that Rod Rosenstein turn over the FBI documents. So he has to turn them over. And the fact that they've been asking since July, I mean, they're, they're Rod Rosenstein is hiding something with his cronies. Bob Mueller, uh, Jim, Jim Comey. I mean, we all know these people are all in, the bed, in bed together. There is something very fishy going on at the FBI and the DOJ, it's, and this has been going on for a long time. This is nothing new. And, you know, the fact, you know, we didn't really learn much today, nothing new. I mean, we, we learned that, um, and the same sort of bias, uh, you know, that has uh, was applying before. Um, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of things that Rosenstein is hiding uh, documents, and you know he's not turning them over. And uh, who knows what uh, you know secret uh, ways or loopholes he has to get rid of uh, legitimate evidence that could prosecute somebody, and. Here's another scary thing. Rosenstein is a guy that is threatening his staffers and the people that work for him. And let's face it, Rosenstein has a, Rosenstein has a lot of power in Washington, D.C. Rosenstein is a guy that, uh, you know, definitely has made uh, shady deals. 
uh, very dirty deals in the past. He, I'm surprised he's not gone already. Uh, the president could easily get rid of him. I know it would cause controversy and, and, and you know, a lot of uh, liberal meltdowns and, and the media would go nuts and certain people would call for another impeachment. But, I mean, this whole corruption and this whole uh, secrecy and this whole, uh, you know, not not showing stuff to the American people and, and giving all of this false information and uh, it just ha- it has to come to an end and it will you know the truth is going to come out you can tell and I saw the thing live today and then we heard it on there Rosenstein is as nervous as can be the guy is shaking out of his mind this guy is this guy knows that he is in for a long ride. He is not gonna get uh gonna get to walk free on this one. I mean I don't know about jail time, but uh, you know, I could see him getting fought, impeached Rosenstein getting get them getting rid of him uh, along with uh, you know, other people. Uh, yeah, along with Jeff Sessions as well, because I think Jeff Sessions is tied into this whole thing. Because uh, Jeff Sessions could at any time a step in and stop the investigation with Robert Mueller and with this whole Rosenstein bullshit, but he doesn't, um, which is sickening. We have a weak uh, attorney general. Um, but, you know, I obviously want your response, Josh. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I'm I'm much more behind on this than uh, than than you are, but I'll give my I'll give my two cents, especially on what, um, you know, Jim Jordan had to say. Obviously, he's from my state. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. The, the one thing I took from that was the the you know how much inflammatory action the other congressmen were taking towards him, trying to shut him up. Basically, I thought was very yeah. interesting. No, yeah, they're they're really not they're they're really not a big fan of of him trying to get answers. Um, and that's another and, that's another indication and sign. Rosenstein kept inter- interrupting him and kept trying to make excuses and you know kept trying to. It almost looked like Rosenstein was guilty the way he kept having to defend himself and interrupting. You know. No, you're absolutely right. And I mean, you couldn't have been any more uh, you know suspicious than Rosenstein was being. Uh, you know, props to Jim Jordan. Even though people kept trying to talk over him and you know. Um, we were saying stupid things to him that he kept on throwing, he kept on throwing punches, yeah. so to speak, at, at Rosenstein. Um, and, you know, and we'll all see how this ends up. Obviously, you know, we all know that there's some fishy business going on here. It'll be interesting to see just how much. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Gianni, go ahead. Well, yeah, you know, I'm with Josh right there. Like, we'll all see how it ends up. I really believe, honestly, if you think about a. Uh, the way Rosenstein was responding and, you know, the FBI and James Comey and all those people. I think, honestly, it's the what he's hiding is something very serious. That's why, that, like, how do you explain this thing has been going on for two years and there's nothing out? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get that. Two years and there's, we found nothing. And obviously, you know, Trump had nothing to do with Russia. I believe that maybe Obama, Clinton, the whole regime, that's what I like to call it, the whole regime is included in that whole Russia thing. Because if you look at it, look back, Obama knew about Russia, but he told people to stand down, you know? Yeah, he did, and that's what I believe they're hiding. Now, Rod, Rod, Rod Rosenstein, I, 
I don't know how to feel about him. You know, maybe he could be telling the truth, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but I believe that he knows a lot of stuff that could hurt, you know, the democracy and that could hurt, you know, a lot of people in Washington and possibly even some Republicans, you know. I believe that that's one of the biggest things right there. And you're absolutely right, Gianni. You know, when you bring up Obama knew about Russia uh, and they were getting in, hacking into our system way before the election. I mean, they were hacking in months and months before, and Obama did nothing about it. Why weren't the Democrats talking? Why didn't they mention it? Why, why was it all crickets? Oh, just something else they got to blame Trump for. With no, You know, it, it's, it's just a pattern. We see it. It happens. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting um, to see. Uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see a lot more uh, next week. Uh, in terms of uh, the evidence that's going to be shown and come out and uh, more reports, uh, definitely, because, you know, this uh, this whole DOJ thing in Rosenstein and uh, Mueller uh, and, and with everything, I mean, it's uh, it has to come to an end at some point. Um, but I do I do want to I do want to shift topics. There's some great news I do want to uh, mention. Australia's richest richest person is investing two billion yep, you heard me right, two billion with a B in the US and creating five thousand high paying jobs. And he all credits Trump's tax cuts and economy uh for the um for that victory and for him making this move. Um the the another thing you know which is a very good news today is the the mastermind behind Benghazi, who uh, took out um, the uh, ambassador Christopher Stevens, uh, will is sentenced to 22 years in prison on uh, federal terrorism charges. So he's going away. Um, that's a you know that was something that a lot of people were following. Um, I am going to get to the Anthony Kennedy thing in a second again. Um, I do want to say as well, um, Melania Trump made her second trip, second second trip to the immigration facilities um, in Arizona, which is very cool, and uh, she's doing a lot of great things. Um, you know, and there were all there's there was reports out today, um, which which is really funny. Mad Maxine Waters canceled numerous events coming up because she's receiving very serious death threats. God, you know what? You know what Trump said? Maxine, watch out. There's some crazy, some of my crazy supporters are out there. They're looking for you. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's crazy. It's funny, though. I mean, she's a, she's a nut job. What do you think, Josh? I mean, boy, I mean, we talked about it yesterday, but, you know, I was just saying that, boy, you can't get, it, it's just so stupid. You're going to threaten people and then, then she brought it on herself. Oh, so. She brought, you know, she brought it no, on herself. Absolutely. Getting, the, getting those death absolutely. She, yeah. she pulled I mean, it, it, I mean it, it, she literally didn't have to mention it and she did. And she started taking shots at people <laughs> that she had no business taking shots at. Right, and you know when you when you start saying stuff like she did, you know that's going to fire up a certain part of the Trump base that you don't want fired up, and then they're going to start making comments and showing up at Maxine Waters' house, and then you know it, it, stuff happens. I'm just telling you, Trump supporters can get crazy. I I've seen it. 
redneck Trump supporters. You you just never know. You know what I mean? They come out with one of their guns. I mean, it's crazy, man. You know, and I, as much as I dislike uh, Maxine, I hope that doesn't happen because that would be a bad <laughs> look for all of us. Uh, right. But, you yeah, know, I don't wish. I don't I, wish death. I don't wish death upon anyone. I don't. I don't wish death upon anyone. No, but I absolutely. Could, I, it so, wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. No, I mean, hey, shoot, with the way that the way a lot of people are these days, a lot of stuff wouldn't surprise me. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so many crazy people in this world, and you know, so many different things going on at once. Um, you know, I, I and you know, she should have never made those comments. Just, just, just imagine if a Republican would have made those comments, he would, his career would have been over. Um, she's a, she's an absolute imbecile. Um, what, what I do want to really say that bothers me though, and I'm gonna Wikipedia editors have labeled, and you, you guys are all gonna find this sick. ICE detention centers, concentration camps. What the fuck? What the? I mean, it's just silly. Like you, I mean, that's something to laugh about. What? What? So, second-class citizens getting bed and food, and getting uh, TVs and everything. That's second-class. I mean, that's concentration camps. Oh God, you got me there. It's a uh, boy. Nothing that pisses me the hell off. Just it's just so absolutely absurd. Like get the hell out of here. I love there was a there was uh, two Facebook pictures circulating that were comparing the concentration camps of Auschwitz to the detention centers, and I was like, right. okay, first off, this looks fake as hell because I see two completely modern pictures. There's no, there's no. This these are not old World War II buildings, and two. Uh, a friend of mine who's in the military then put a picture of his army base and said, hmm, seems like we're living in the same type of areas that these illegals are. That seems a little weird. They looked identical from an ar- from the army base he was stationed at to one of the detention centers down. I think it was in Texas. But I was like, wow, that that sure does hit you in a different way. Screw comparing it to a gosh darn concentration camp. The people are, you know, the people in the military are living in very similar uh, situations. Yeah, yeah, so true, so true. And, you know, it's anything but a concentration camp. And it just goes to show, and we all know Wikipedia is a left-wing liberal site, and it just goes to show the ignorance and uh, disrespect some people have with, um, you know, the the, the Internet and the stuff they put. I mean, it's totally out of line and out of character. And and quite frankly, it makes WikiLeaks look bad. This is going to backfire badly on them. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, at, I, th- I look, think you're right. And look at what happened to Netflix. I mean, it, 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 they got – I mean, they're losing people, memberships every second of the day because of putting the Obamas in charge. I mean, the Obamas are very disliked and hated. And the people, you know, I, I mean, it's just it, – we see all of it. I mean, any business or any establishment that attacks Trump, uh, they immediately start sinking. Yeah, red, another example, the Red Hen. What about the restaurant? I mean, now they are literally losing business and about to close. I mean, they could close down, and it's just crazy. It's nuts. They got like two, like one and a half stars on Yelp. Every Trump supporter, like 20,000 Trump people, put terrible reviews. Their business is like, I mean, their reputation is tarnished, uh, the Red Hen. Um, but, you know, all these different examples. Um, but, yeah, ICE detention centers are anything 
anything. Uh, they're very far from a concentration camp. I would actually say it's more of like a nice uh, vacation. I mean, these these people actually get a meal, and in their country, they they go days without meals. So, and they go days without beds. Some of them. So, I mean, it, you know, it's it's something that we're actually giving them as a freaking privilege. I mean, wow, wow. You know what I mean? No, I you're I mean you're absolutely you're abso- absolutely right. I mean, ideally these people would just as soon as they crossed over, we'd throw them back over to the other side. Um, but you know, yeah. we actually take them in, process them, uh and figure out yes. what's going on before, you know, then we make a decision. Um, you know, most countries are, you know, they'll either throw you in jail, like regular jail, yep. not a detention yep. facility, regular freaking yep. jail uh to await yep. a trial or or they'll just chuck you back over. I mean, um, and that's the way it is in other countries. They, I mean, these people are blessed to, you know, by yeah. by the system we have going on. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I do want to I do want to shift a little bit. Um, want to make some announcements. Uh, disabled people are gaining in Trump's high high uh, economy. Uh, more disabled people are getting hired than ever before. Uh, manufacturing is at an all-time high in the United States, uh, which is am- unbelievably amazing. I mean, the economy is the best it's ever been, and I've been saying that on my show for a while now. I, uh, it's just keeps getting better and better, too. Uh, the Supreme Court ends uh, compulsor- compulsory public sector union do- dues, which were badly uh, affecting our workers and, uh, you know, a lot of their freedoms and a lot of their uh, finances and you know there were a lot of different variables that were factoring into it that uh, this is something that the uh, Democrats put into place but thank God Trump Trump abolished it and uh, now uh, all these uh, uh, union workers can have more uh, beneficial uh, situations and uh, you know that they that they can that they can be in uh, rather than suffer um, uh, yeah and you know. We yeah we have I mean I want to get back to how in the, the the significance and how important uh, before we go we have about five minutes left but the Anthony Kennedy he retired at a perfect time I mean you think about President Trump I can't stop thinking about it I mean this is unbelievably uh, amazing I hope everybody understands that this basically uh, I mean we get to make I mean we're the majority now. I mean, they get the old, we get to make the ultimate decision. Conservatives control this for generations to come. I mean, Trump is going to put somebody in there like Neil Gorsuch, which is going to be perfect, which is going to be absolutely huge, like you would say. And it's, and it's just going to be uh, – our agenda is going to be easily fulfilled. We're going to have so, many, so much more winning. We're going to have so much more uh, things to be uh, – things that we can look forward to, and we'll have – I just love it. I just we're we're put in a great situation. Thoughts, Josh? Yeah, I mean, honestly, my thoughts. Uh, I want to make a quick little prediction and, and here right about before, who I think. And imagine that. Imagine that he retires right before the midterms, so we can pick a, uh, oh, a, ju- a judge before the midterms, and that gives all these Republicans so much momentum to go out there and keep the mega agenda going. I mean, we've already seen Reka mega uh, voting numbers. For the Trump agenda. I mean, people are getting out there. But go ahead. 
I mean, I, I mean, absolutely. So I, I want to try to make a quick prediction here about who I think the next uh, Supreme Court justice is going to be brought up. One one guy's name that I was hearing for the, you know, that ended up becoming uh, Gorsuch's seat. Uh, not actually, Thomas Hardiman is the guy that I'm referencing here. Um, he's apparently from what I from what I've read and what I heard back then, he was actually apparently was the running uh, runners up for the Gorsuch seat. Obviously, no one can tell, you know. That's all underneath. But uh, the one thing that I think is interesting about him is that the Senate, he, right now he's on the third U.S. Uh, Circuit uh, Court of Appeals, but he was confirmed by the Senate in 2007 for that seat, 95 to nothing. So, you know, I think it, I, I would almost like it to be him just to see, uh, you know, the turnaround now that, uh, you know, they, they confirmed him for that court uh, unanimously, which is, you know, pretty impressive. I would like to see what kind of, you know, lash he would get um, if he was going to be confirmed uh, for a Supreme Court. You know, if he was Trump's pick, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of backlash more than, you know, I, I would find it very rare that someone would get 95 to nothing again, especially if, you know, Trump's picking you. But he had a very interesting, um, uh, you know, he was the dissent case in a, um, a New Jersey law that prohibits handgun possessions without a permit. Uh, and stuff like that. So yeah. I know he's, you know, very Second Amendment um, and whatnot. So I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring for him. Uh, that's just my prediction. I really don't know many of the other guys. You know, I'm sure there's someone I'd like more, but that's why I think Trump is gonna pick. Yeah, I think you know, there's so many different options. Um, and we heard earlier on the clip that we watched, uh, the clip that we heard at the very beginning of the show, uh, some different options. Um, but yeah, I, there, there's. It's going to be a very conservative, pro-life, uh, you know, pro mega, pro mega agenda, pro-Trump, uh, and yeah, I mean, we have a lot to look forward to. Um, but yeah, we are, uh, we are, we are out of time. Um, I do want to thank everyone for tuning in. I want to uh, thank uh, my special guests. Um, Josh, go ahead if you have anything to promote. Yeah, only thing I got to promote is uh, follow me up on my Instagram at uh, J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V-A-T-Y. Perfect. And uh, Gianni? Uh, you can follow me, uh, Gianni Rodriguez-Paris with two R's. Gianni Rodriguez with a Z-Paris with two R's. On Facebook? On Facebook, yeah. Perfect. And you know where to find me on Twitter. You can always find me on Twitter, at Sodder Rory. Again, that's at Sodder Rory. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, please visit the Donald J. Trump com. Again, that's the Donald J. Trump com. You can also visit RorySodder.tv. Uh, and you can also visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com. Um we do have our new media site coming out, and I know I keep talking about it, but it's almost, almost done. I'm, I'm working on some of the back-end stuff, like I said, but we're getting so close, and we can't wait to share it with you, and we're very excited. Um, I want to thank all my advertisers. I want to thank uh, all my audience. I want to thank my co-hosts. I want to thank my guests again. I want to thank – you guys are all amazing. Um, we have uh, a lot to uh, get to and address. Um, next week when we'll be back on um, but I want to you know God bless you all um, this is Rory Sodder signing out thank you for listening to the Rory Sodder show 
Have a great weekend, everybody, and we will see you next week. Cheers.